This is LaQuest, a podcast from California's Assembly Democrats. My own daughters will have fewer protections and rights than I did. That's not progress. That's just terrifying. Tragic. That's Assemblymember Mia Bonta's word to describe the country's current direction on abortion. Heartbreaking and distraught are words that also come to mind. I'm Jen Hardy. And I'm Trinidad Santos. We spoke to the Assembly's only OBGYN, Assemblymember Dr. Akila Weber, about this issue as well. I am very um, disheartened by what is going on throughout the nation, Um, not only as a woman, not only as a woman of color, but as someone who is an OBGYN who has dedicated their professional career to providing the best health care for women as possible. And we know that um, providing comprehensive uh, reproductive health care for women um, is better, it's safer, and um, and the fact that we are turning back the wheels of time into a time where, you know, women were dying for something that um, today, you know, they have a very, very low death rate for. It's disheartening, it's sickening, it's maddening, and I hope that it is just a wake-up call for everybody. You know, before I moved back to California, I was practicing OBGYN in Texas. And one of the reasons why I left is because I felt like they had a war against women's health. I talked with some of my colleagues that are still practicing in Texas. And the stories that they were telling me about people who have brain cancer and are now having to choose between having treatment and exposing that fetus to radiation and chemotherapy, or not undergoing treatment and potentially dying is so disheartening. I I can't believe that we're dealing with this right now. Just heart-wrenching. Dr. Akila Weber, as she mentioned, is a woman of color. Let's go back to Assemblymember Mia Bonta and hear what she has to say. As a woman of color, I can't help but think about how the Supreme Court's decision will disproportionately impact women of color. As women of color, it is important that we vocalize and be vocal and loud and proud and scream to the highest heavens because we need to be heard about the disproportionate impact this decision will have on women of color. The California Legislative Women's Caucus has introduced over a dozen bills to address this tragic situation. Assembly Majority Leader Eloise Reyes and Assemblymember Cuddy Petrie Norris spoke to us about what we're living through today. Uh, Some of the women that I talk to are afraid of what can happen. Not so much in California, because in California we've done everything we can to protect a woman's right. But this isn't true in in other states, and with Roe v. Wade, on the cusp of being um, overturned, it's, it's a frightening time for many women outside of California. This is a scary moment for women in America. All across our country, our reproductive freedom is under assault. And there are powerful forces that are working overtime to drag us backwards. And in the face of that, I really do believe that California is a beacon of hope and uh, I'll tell you, California is fighting back because here in California, here in California, we think that decisions about your body do not belong to Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy. Those decisions belong to you. 
We talked with Assembly Members Reyes and Petrie Norris next to a hot pink tour bus that Planned Parenthood had parked near the state capitol. Hey, Jen, what did you think of the bus? Well, Trinidad, it was uh, pretty cool from the outside, you know, like we said, hot pink, and it said, say abortion, and loud letters on the outside, and um, we got the chance later on to go inside to record our main audio, and you know what? It was 99 degrees out that day, and we had to cut the air conditioning so that we didn't interfere with the audio, and it was totally worth it. And uh, yeah, what'd you think of being on it? It was pretty amazing. A little claustrophobic at the beginning, but you definitely get used to it. And there's also really amazing posters of Say Abortion inside. So the inside is just as beautiful as the, its hot pink exterior. Yes, definitely. Um, they had already started to tour the state with the bus and already had great turnouts. You know, they originally the tour was to make sure that people knew that their reproductive rights were under attack. And by the time that the tour actually launched, the Supreme Court decision had already leaked, and people were aware. And um, in addition to continuing to spread the word about the threats, it became even more and uh, gave people a place to gather as an outlet for their feelings right now. What do you think? I think that it its color especially makes it a very effective tool because it's something you really can't ignore. The hot pink, it really always just grabs your attention. And I think it's a very good um, medium for supporting reproductive rights. We had three people with us on the bus. The chair of the Legislative Women's Caucus, Christina Garcia, Assemblymember Rebecca Bauer Cahan and President of Planned Parenthood California Jody Hicks. Let's hear what they thought of the pink bus. I mean, it's been my life goal to match a bus, and so <laughs> if you can't see me, I'm wearing a matching bright pink jacket, uh, and so I feel pretty accomplished today. <laughs> but no, but seriously, I think a lot of us thought that in our lifetime we wouldn't be in the position that we're in today. Uh, out there and having the fight that we're having uh, today. And I think we took a lot of things for granted uh, out there. And it's it's a really scary moment for a lot of us uh, at, at this point and trying to find direction of how do we take that anger, that frustration, the sadness, whatever feelings we have and turn it into action uh, to ensure that we, we fight back and we're in a better place. I think the the bus really, to me, is an important way for us to take the message of what needs to be done, of how people can act, as um, Assemblymember Garcia said, because the work is important, and it's been important for the last few years, but it is now more important than ever, and the road ahead is going to be long, and so let's take this bus on the road. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a little different for me. I'm going to be on this bus for a while, um, but let me say this. The bus looks amazing. We're getting lots of great attention. Um, you know, it's hard, despite the topic that is in front of us is real heavy. It's it's hard to continue to always be upset when you're in a giant pink, hot pink bus um, that says, say, abortion and rainbow fabulous colors on the on the side. So um, that part of it is, is really great. Um Having these conversations on a bus, meeting with people in communities is, is actually really been great. And we've been having some 
great conversations with with folks and also hearing what people are doing on the ground and it, it's great. After giving us their thoughts on the pink bus, we move to the main part of the conversation. Self-described uterus defender because she wants to remind us that not everyone who needs an abortion is a woman. Assemblymember Garcia started us off. I think for it for myself it's my freedom and as a woman of color a little too often on a daily basis, we feel like second-class citizens, but this repeal just seems to make it a much more formal thing. And so I think for a lot of us, it always was like, oh, okay, and the mm-hmm. secret that we don't talk about, but uh, and no one talks about it, and, we, and, and it seems like suddenly the institution is telling us really blatantly that we're going to be second-class citizens because it's women of color, it's low-income women, it's women in rural communities, it's our LGBTQ+. It's marginalized communities who are going to be bearing the brunt of this decision. And it's not just the decision of when I have or start a family, but what that means to my economic future Mm -hmm. uh, and my economic opportunities down the road and how that decision today Mm -hmm. is going to affect me down the road. And so I will say growing up as a kid, my mom would talk about what it meant for her to be pregnant at 15 with no options and to become a mom and then become a mom of five kids and not have any skill sets, not have a job. Uh, and have to figure it out and how I limited her opportunities. And so she would always tell me that she wanted to make sure that no matter what, I had options. Mm-hmm. And an abortion was part of those options because she wanted me to have economic opportunities. And sometimes things happened uh, out there. And so, you know, I, it's, I think for myself, we have to say the word abortion. We have to talk about who this affects. But it's really about suddenly I have an institution, an institution like the Supreme Court telling me, as a woman, as a woman of color, I'm definitely a second-class citizen. Yeah, and I think I, I so appreciate, Christina, that you're always pointing that out and making sure people are aware about the impacts it, it has on communities of color and certainly communities that you represent, especially on the heels of we just, we're still in a global pandemic. We just witnessed how something like this pandemic you know, how it impacted certain communities different than others. And this decision, inequities that already exist in our public health system, you know, the racism that we're seeing that's rampant and certainly still in public health, and how we have inequities and in, in, in putting any barriers to health care, especially something that has such a strong impact on people's futures and their potential futures, and, and how we're just making those inequities larger. And it's, I think that's what are all of the feels right now is really, especially in this moment, a deep understanding as we just witnessed that, um, you know, and, and still are, and, and what it means to have disproportionate impact on communities of color. It's just, it's cruel. Yeah, and I think, you know, to your point, our system is already not supporting communities of color, our maternal mortality rates, even here in California, people don't realize that a black woman is four times more likely to die in childbirth than a white woman here, where we are supposed to have some of the best health care in the world. And so we're already failing our communities of color. And as much as California has tried to take steps forward in that effort, it really feels like this decision to take access to abortion away from uh, pregnant people is just going to take us even further back. And we do know that this will increase the maternal mortality rates significantly, which is obviously the opposite of what we are trying to achieve. Yeah, I mean, in Mississippi, where the, the case that's in front of the Supreme Court, there's only one abortion provider in that entire state. 
And it's the most dangerous place to give birth right now in the country. And so taking away other healthcare options is just, it's just so dangerous and it's, it's going to have such a horrible impact. But I think, you know, just switching it back to, to you all, I think the work that, that the Women's Caucus is doing right now to prepare California, I mean, that's the piece that we can do, right? As we know the other states that are going to ban access to abortion, that they'll need to go outside of the state they live in. And we can prepare for that or not, but the Women's Caucus has prepared and done that work since the fall. And I think, you know, especially you guys talking about you're both authoring legislation right now and certainly getting behind the over a dozen bills. But I think that's what we can look to as what's important is that we do what we can as we hope that people can get here, for one. Um, and when they do, that we have capacity to take care of them. And the capacity to take care of California's patients, mm-hmm, right? I mean, exactly. it's going to affect every patient if we don't have capacity. And I think um, I think the work we're doing will also really improve the infrastructure we have here in California. So when we win back the right to abortion, right. we will still be better off for all the work that we're doing. Yeah. And so while we prepare for the worst case scenario, I still want to uh, hold that hope that well, we saw a leak that the advocacy out there uh, is going to be successful. But if it's not, we are prepared and, and we're prepared not just, you know, this year, but long haul to keep fighting to ensure we we have access. The reality, though, is that if you are in California in a low income community, access is hard already. <laughs> access in my community is hard. We have half a million constituents in one community hospital hospital uh, to service us and one Kaiser. Uh, and a lot of clinics. And so one of the things we're doing is creating pilots so that these clinics that oftentimes is where we are seeking healthcare of all sorts uh, is prepared to provide the healthcare that we need in our community. And so community clinics have the trust oftentimes, but don't have the resources. Uh, And so how do we make sure they have the resources so that they can meet us where we're at? Uh, And I think that's what equity is about is not just having access, but meeting people where they're at and on on their terms. I know for, for my folks, it's so important as they're they're already preparing, right, to expand. Um, but I think you're right. It's for people here in California. And, you know, people here now still have access issues. They still have to travel even for abortion services. And this will only continue that impact. So, I mean, I think if we have a silver lining, it was an opportunity to really, it's part of what that Fab Council did, is really look at everything that needs to be done for California to be a reproductive reproductive freedom state now and certainly preparing for a post-Roe world. Yeah, and as part of my work, which is really to protect our patients, our providers, and those who support our patients in accessing abortion care, um, I've had the privilege of talking to many of our abortion providers here in California about the future they see for themselves. And I want to just say, well, we have the opportunity, that these human beings are incredible that their moral clarity around the fact that they will continue to provide access to comprehensive reproductive health care, including abortion, to every patient that shows up is so awe-inspiring. And I get to hear it, and I know you do too, Jody. Mm -hmm. But it gives me sort of, it keeps me going because I just know that if they're going to keep doing it, we have to keep protecting them. And you know, they say that no matter what other states do, they will provide that care because they know that it is these 
women and pregnant people's lives, right? When these people walk in and have made a choice, their lives are on the line, whether it be physically or their financial future or their family's future. And so we are working really hard to protect every one of those providers and all the individuals who support them and our abortion patients. And so AB 1666, which is the bill that I have authored, will ensure that the laws like SB 8 in Texas that fine people who provide abortions, access abortion, or support people who access abortions will not be enforced here in our California courts. It is unconstitutional here in California um, for us not to have access to abortion. And so we will continue to protect that access to abortion, including in our courts. And I think that's really important. And we, you know, are going to go full steam ahead in that to make sure that those providers who do this work every day have the confidence that they will be protected, in our, at least in our borders. Yeah, it's such a, it's a, that's a huge issue for our providers right now as they're, they're so committed, but that was the first line of questioning when SB8 went into effect in Texas. It sort of was why we put the council together so quickly. It was because they just legitimately didn't know, you know, what was going to happen to them as they, as they were committed to, to take care of patients. Um, and, and I will say, I think the patients are also worried about what's going to happen to them. Absolutely. And are their states going to come after them for seeking an abortion mm-hmm. here in California, which is the other important part of uh, AB 1666. Uh, and so I think the provider's piece is important, but also for the patients. And I think that at the end of the day, when you're pregnant and you're vulnerable, you don't have all the answers, right? And I think you're going to look to places where it's a trusted source. So whether that's Planned Parenthood or your local clinic or just the state of California in general and the California government, that they're going to be able to to think ahead and think for you in that vulnerable time of which you're going to need to make sure you're taken care of and you have everything you need in this vulnerable moment, whether you make the decision to have an abortion or you make the decision to keep the baby. Mm-hmm. And I think that touches exactly on the work that Senator Skinner and um, Senator Caballero are doing, mm-hmm. which is ensuring that we have, you know, real good access to information for people who need to seek access to abortion, knowing that the anti-abortion activists will be out there trying to provide misinformation, that we need to be a trusted source that will give them information into what is a complicated healthcare system in a state they've probably never been to. And I think that's a really important work. Yeah, I, I know we heard from our colleagues and we're hearing all the stories, right? In Texas is our example right now. We're about to have 25 other examples. Um, if the Supreme Court does make the decision, it looks like they're going to do. But patients sitting in the state they live in, they've never traveled outside of that state. And so how do they get that information or know where to go? You know, it's not the same for what we think of now where you punch in your zip code and get providers. They don't have zip code information. So that work that you all are working on is going to make a huge difference for people trying to navigate that um i don't i mean i will say this this bus tour started as that we thought it was going to be an awareness um tour because people weren't really aware that the supreme court court was poised to make this decision obviously with the leak they now are and it's turned into something else but just curious we had all the rallies this weekend which were good um I'm wondering how folks are talking to you all. I mean, I think, you know, we're all kind of the part of the same generation and it's a, it feels very weighty to know that the generation behind us won't have the same rights that we have grown up under 
And also the generation above us fought so hard for us to have those. And it's just this weird pivotal point, I feel, for, for folks in our generation. Yeah, and I think the important thing that I hope we can convey, and we are today, is that as much as we feel like we should have done more to hold those rights that that previous generation fought so hard for, that we are on the front lines working as hard as we possibly can for every single person in this country that needs these rights and needs access to this health care. And, you know, as Christina said, to a future that is equitable and just and provides the opportunities that every single one of them deserves. And I think, you know, we will continue to do that work this year. I don't think it's going to end this year with this mm -hmm. legislative cycle. I think the work will continue in the years to come. And we hope that everybody will join us in that work. Uh, while we have the real risk that for a period of time, we're going to have a generation with less rights than we had. And the impact is going to be felt the most on communities that look and and are where I live uh, across the United States. I also want to believe that this moment can be a galvanizing moment for us to do that work to not just get back to the freedom we had, yeah. but get back to a more equitable society. Yep. Because the reality is that while we've had this freedom, access has not been equal yep. for a lot of That's, community members, mm -hmm. including my community out there. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a real opportunity. And sometimes I tell folks, this is not how we want the opportunity, mm -hmm. but let's just do do the work now and let's do it right and let's do it better than we have in the past and so let's learn i'm i'm really appreciative for the fights our mothers and grandmothers had uh, mm -hmm. but i think every generation should learn and do it better right and so i think yep. that that's what this moment is about for us that's absolutely that's perfectly put i mean roe was always supposed to be the ceiling or the floor not the ceiling and i think we left it as a ceiling and now you know that's what i love about the work not just this year you all have been doing it for a while but ensuring access to health care not just a right to health care and i you know and talking about equity and ensuring that people are are doing better so i mean i hope that's was our hope for california to be that blueprint and and try and be better and i can say i did take it for granted i was a law student in washington dc two decades ago and I remember walking, I went to law school a couple blocks from the Supreme Court, and I remember going jogging by uh, anti-choice rally and thinking, what are they doing here? I mean, I was born into a world with Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade will always yeah. be the law. Why are they here? And I think it was a blind spot, to your point. Mm -hmm. I took it for granted. I thought I didn't know any different. And, you know, just the other day I was speaking to a constituent who um, had an illegal abortion before Roe was the law, and is devastated to be seeing us back where we were. And I think it is a lesson. It is a lesson for all of us and for future generations to not take our rights for granted and then to hold the line and expand, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's what you um, articulated so beautifully is that we've known for a long time we could do better on reproductive health and equity and equity generally. And we, we haven't gone far enough and done enough and fought hard enough. And so hopefully this galvanizes everyone. So. Yeah, and I think eyes wide open how big of a deal this is, right? They're taking a right away, which has not happened. It, you know, even under the reasonings that they have, it's always been to expand rights, not to take a right away. And, I mean, you can maybe speak to this, Rebecca, it's how big of a deal it was that it was leaked. Like, I th just feel like that shows the monumental moment is that somebody leaked a draft, which is so 
such a big deal. Yeah. No, when you think about overturning precedent, you're exactly right. Brown v. Mm-hmm. Board of Education overturned precedent to expand the rights for people of color, right? And right. that's exactly what we've seen historically is where a precedent was overturned. It was always to expand rights for individuals. So it is a huge deal. They're overturning precedent and taking rights away from um, women. And yeah, no, I was shocked when it was leaked. And I think there's been a lot of speculation about why it happened. Um, but you know, we'll see the final opinion in the month to come. And I think whether it is what we saw come out of the Justice Alito opinion or a different opinion, I think we're clear that Roe will be overturned and and we will have to continue to act accordingly. But it is a really huge moment. And for those of us that are, you know, students of the law and love the law, which I know everyone in this bus is, you know, it's it's a moment to really pause and realize what is happening, that we have a court that is willing to do this. And I think it's important that we realize the immense risk we are under with losing other rights as well. And we have to step up and become vigilant in every way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I want to go back to your comment about the floor. And so, and when we talk about reproductive justice, abortion is an important part of it, but there's so much more that goes out there. Yep. Because for the other side, overturning Roe is the floor of where they want to go. So yeah, this is not Great point. where they start. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we need to be chest ass inspired on the other side and that much more so uh, with this moment. And so the fight is hard ahead, but the numbers are on our side. Mm-hmm. When you look at the polling, That's when right. you look at the data, the numbers are on our sides. And so we need to make sure those numbers turn into action and advocacy. Uh, I think we need to be aware that that floor common goes in in different directions out there. Uh, And this is not the only freedom that's, that's under attack. And they definitely, they're already talking about the next steps, (laughs) what they want to ban or how they want to build on this. And I just saw polling yesterday about how people are just kind of over everything. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, being over everything is how we lose more rights and how the base on the right is feeling galvanized and motivated. Uh, and so we need to hurry up with this pink bus. And- <laughs> we need to get moving. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast um, about how Mexico worked to expand access mm-hmm. to abortion. And one of the things that they told in that story was exactly what you said, which was um, that women started stepping up and telling their abortion stories mm-hmm. in real ways. And it mm-hmm. became about your neighbor and your friend and the people you know. And, you know, we know 25% of women have abortions and we need to start talking about it more. Mm-hmm. And as someone who lived through the fight for, um, you know, the right to marry for LGBTQ plus individuals, mm-hmm. I saw that it was people coming out and telling their stories and the bravery that takes. I'm going to mm-hmm. say that right now. This is not an easy ask, but it is what is going to change the conversation. And, um, you know, I know that those of us in the legislature that speak publicly try to do it as often as possible. But the more we can tell our stories and talk about how this changes lives, the better off we are. No, you're sure. I mean, that's, you know, the bus says say abortion on it. And we launched that campaign um, for people to be able to tell their stories, but also so that we can uplift those that, that felt safe to do it. And I was always frustrated by that notion because it's such a vulnerable and personal and private time that you shouldn't have to for people to see your humanity but that's just that's where we are we're fighting for justice at this moment and people do need to hear stories of of the impact of what that means for somebody's health for their dignity for their opportunities you know 
what it means for them. And it, it is really important right now in the, the work we do. That's where we've been at, right? I mean, when you talk about, um, we, we were here for in California for Prop 8 and mm-hmm. fighting mm-hmm. against that. Uh, and the the work you've seen in it, they get sense then, it's because people have been bold in telling the story. So mm-hmm. as we look at immigration and our dreamers out there, mm-hmm. it's because people have been bold yeah. in telling their stories. And so as we tell individuals, be bold, tell your story, we also need to be telling, we're going to have your back when you do. Yeah. We're going to mm-hmm. step up with you mm-hmm. and provide the support you need along the way. And, you know, uh, as they share the stories, know that they're not alone, that we are going to step in. Uh, to make sure that they're treated with dignity, with respect. Uh, and I might not be able to stop all the trolls. <laughs> there will be an army behind you. Uh, but we, we legislate on experience. It really does make an impact, yeah. whether it's at the Supreme Court or in our state legislatures or in Congress. And so we need those stories to be shared, small and big. Well, I just appreciate you all and the work you do and know that, you know, it matters for all the people that are that are looking for hope right now and getting services and you're all making that happen. So thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you to every person who is brave enough to be in this fight with us. And, you know, to every patient out there, we've got your back to every provider out there. We've got your back too. And we're going to fight like hell. We'd like to give a huge hot pink blast. Thank you to Legislative Women's Caucus Chair Christina Garcia, Assemblymember Rebecca Bauer-Cahan, and Planned Parenthood's Jody Hicks. And thank you to everyone else who helped us put this episode together. And thank you, Jen. I'm Trinidad Santos, and that was Jen Hardy. Thanks to everyone who's listening, and don't forget you can follow our Assembly Democrats on your favorite social media platform. The Look West podcast is produced by California Assembly Democrats. When you think of Californian politics, remember to look west.